1: All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the tool shed. This is episode 130 of the Fantrax tool shed with Clayton Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have a really fun episode in store today. And with me, as usual, is my 80 great co host,
2: Mr. Chris Clay. Chris, what's going on, man? Not much, man. It's good to be back. It's uh, another fun episode we have planned. And know we just recently, your dynasty ranks were updated, and then mine are almost done. You know, if you're listening this Monday, Hopefully they're live tomorrow on fan tracks. You can get them early on our Patreon though. So you know average and OBP dynasty ranks out. Obviously a big undertaking at this point of the season. A lot of shifts and you know, you always want to update like every day. It's like <laughs> you see something, you're like, crap, I need to adjust that. And it's like, oh, nope, nope. It's it's so hard. It's so you get so nitpicky. But we're oh, gonna yeah. hear we're gonna be here to break it all down and it's gonna be a good episode. So I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Getting nitpicky, I, I did the same thing, especially like at the top. Like I try, I was trying to put fifteen guys into my top ten, and it's like that—that's not going to work. You can't put that many in the top ten. But it's like they all deserve to be, I think. But you know, someone has to get the bump, and then especially for me, I get down to like that last one hundred, or even like the last like fifty of my five hundred, and I was like a bunch of guys that I, I think like, all right, they deserve to be in the five hundred, and I get to bump somebody out. Yeah, it's—it's definitely a whole ordeal, but. We love it. It is a labor of love, but it's a fun one. That's for sure. And we're going to go through it all through our some risers, followers, just general discussion about the rankings, maybe some player debates, you know, a lot of fun stuff. Nice little hodgepodge of dynasty rankings discussion today. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at Roto Clegg. I am at Eric Cross 04 and our show is at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us and our YouTube channel. And of course, check out all the other great work we have going on by the entire team over at Fantrax HQ. Not only like the baseball team, obviously, which Chris and I are part of, is phenomenal. We got a great football team, basketball, college football. We have a NASCAR and hockey writers. It's, it's a great team all around, all the sports. So we got going on over there. So check that out. Let's get into this week's episode. Let's just get right into it here. I don't know where do you want to start, Chris. You want to go over like the top of the rankings, get into risers and fallers. Where do you want to start with?
2: Yeah, let's just hit the top of the rankings and see. I'm curious where we differ for for average and OBP, so that'd be a good talk for sure.
1: All right, so I'm actually I've already actually tinkered, but I'm not going to include <laughs> those tinkers right now. I just moved like Harper down a couple spots because he just got hurt. But so I'll go back to my June list here. So. My top 10, I like get minor average, consider OBP. Again, it was so hard at the top because I had Soto one last update, which was like early May. And of course, Soto's been kind of having a down year that, well, it doesn't help that he has no lineup around him besides Josh Bell. But so I moved him down a spot, but then again, the guys below him didn't really warrant moving up. So it was kind of hard. So I started with Iva uh, Cunha back to one Soto two, Tatis Jr. Three. Trey Turner four, Harper five, Joe Ram six, Otani, seven, Tucker, eight, Yordan nine, and
2: Vlad at 10. What's your top 10, Chris? And right, so I got Acuna at one and the same top three, actually. So Acuna, Soto, Tatis, I just still think that they're the three elite. And like, regardless of what's going on this year, I mean, all three of those have had issues, obviously. Acuna coming back from injury and being, you know, banged up. He's banged up right now. Soto, obviously some struggles and then Tatis hasn't played and. You know, I'm concerned Tatis doesn't play this year, but that doesn't really change his dynasty value for me long term. But after that, you can kind of go a lot of directions. So yeah. I went, <laughs> I went Jose Ramirez four, Julio Rodriguez at five, followed by Otani, Harper, and Vlad Jr. Then Jordan and Trout round out the top ten. All right, so you have Vlad one spot ahead of Jordan.
1: I have Jordan one spot ahead of Vlad. <laughs> And that's who would you have at ten? I had Trout at ten. Oh, Trout. Okay. Oh, yeah. OBP. Absolutely. Yeah. That sparked some some debates and discussion on Twitter when I put out yeah. there that I was moving Jordan ahead. And again, that's that's not a knock against Vlad Jr. in the slightest. Like he's obviously a generational talent. But you look, and at least for me, I was looking like, all right, their career stats. Like Jordan Hat is this has him. He's he's ahead in. Average OBP, slug, ISO, WOBA, like 162 game home run, RBI, run pace, like all of that. He's ahead. So the only r- real time that you say that Vlad had the advantage was in 2021. And Jordan still had a good season. Then he get like 33 home runs, like 108 RBIs at like 280 or in that ballpark, coming back off that major knee injury. And I know that's the kind of thing that keeps sticking with people like, oh, the knees, the knees. But, you know, talk, go talk to Nick Savali, and who's an actual doctor who knows <laughs> more than about medical stuff than I can even pretend to know. And he's forgotten more than I'll ever know. That's what I'm trying to say. But he's not worried, and I trust Nick wholeheartedly with everything in terms of, you know, all these injuries and whatnot. So he's not worried. But, again, like we have him this one spot apart other way around. I, I won't fault anybody for having blood. I really don't. But, yeah, it's really hard. Like you mentioned, I definitely th- still think that top three is the top three. You know, like I said, there's been injury issues, performance issues. But, again, None of the guys below, like Joe Ram, if he was, if Joe Ram was like three, four years younger, he's probably, he'll be 30 in like a month and a half or whatever. If Joe Ram was like 26, 27, I think he might be number one right now. He definitely have a, a strong case for it. You know, Harper obviously is right there too. He just got hurt again. You know, screw you, Blake Snell. And then, you know, Otani is really obviously league and format dependent, but he has a case for number one. When you get the big bashers, the, I got Tucker at, at eight. I love Tucker, but it's just so hard. Like four to 17 or some massive cluster for me. So wouldn't have any fault in anybody putting, you know, like I said, you have J-Rod at, J-Rod at five. Mm-hmm. I wanted to put J-Rod top 10. So, and I, at one point I did, I think I had him at nine at one point, but I, then I was like looking at the guys right below him, which were, would have been Vlad Yordan and then uh, Rafael Devers. I'm like, Man, they don't warrant be bumped out yet. They've been yeah. killing it this year too. So it's, it's so hard. I was, I was really getting getting angry with myself because I was like, <laughs> I can't figure this out. It was just frustrating. Yeah. But then again, there's there's worse things to be frustrated about than making fantasy baseball dynasty rankings. But all right, next ten for me, I got Devers at eleven, J raw at twelve, Bichette dropped from four to thirteen. It's kind of having a mass season. I still love Bichette. So I think he's you know phenomenal talent, but kind of having a mass season. And then so he's at 13, Bobby Witt Jr., 14, Luis Robert, 15, and then 16 through 20, Mike Trout, Corbin Burns, Aaron Judge, who just keeps hitting dingers every damn day, Wanda Franco at 19, and Mookie Betts at 20. That's what go 25. And then the uh, 21 through 25, Manny Machado, Shane McClanahan, Jazz Chisholm Jr., Garrett Cole, and Pete Alonzo. Who's the worst of your top 25, Chris?
2: Yeah, and, I, and you mentioned, I think the tier... Tier two arguably goes all the way down to 19 for me. And yeah, it's, it's huge. dude. Yeah. Like, so you could argue like you can, people get bent out of shape, but you can argue that like you could put any of these guys as high as four or 19, like anywhere in this range, but yep. you'll see, I'll, you'll see my 19th and I'll explain why, but 11 is Trey Turner followed by Kyle Tucker, Aaron judge. Like you could make an argument. Aaron judge is top five. Like he's oh, been yeah, absolutely Devers right after him. Yeah, you know, again, insane, Luis Robert still believe in the talent. Manny Machado, who's injured, but still, you know, he's been killing it this year at 16. Mookie Betts at 17. Bobby Witt Jr. at 18. And Bo Bichette at 19. So, like, that's tough to drop Bichette like that far, but that just shows kind of where the talent is right now. And that's yep. it's a tier. So, that, I have no pitchers until 20. And that's Corbin Burns. And then Wander Franco at 21. Shane McClanahan, 22. Pete Alonso, 23. Byron Buxton 24 and Garrett Cole 25. So there's some that's kind of the pitcher tier there in the really clear top three, in my opinion, for Dynasty. Yeah, no, same here. And so you had
1: Buxton 24, huh? That was that's, a tough decision. I do. It for me, I so for reference, I have him at 33. Uh, last episode, I had him 26. And this is like, and I put that like funny tweet out where like his that is like rolling vi- values, just like this massive like up and down, up and down, up and down. So he'll, he'll dominant look like the best player in baseball for like three weeks and he gets hurt or he goes in like a prolonged slump. He's always so hard to rank like on town alone. He, he'd be another guy to be top 10 probably or close to it. But you got all the other things you got to factor in with him. And yeah, he's super hard to rank. So I don't know. Like I can't I can never get a good, you know, good gauge on where I want to rank him. But yeah, 2024, 20, I have no issues with that. Again, like this is kind of another
2: big tier, you know, 2030 to like 40 probably or so, yeah. but yeah, he's tough. Yeah, you could argue Buxton as low as fifty, I think, and and yep be okay. So that's a really tough spot to be. <laughs> yeah, so we have the
1: same top three pitchers here. So yeah, you had so I had Burns 17, you had him 20. I have McLenhan twenty two. Uh, you also have him twenty two. Yep. And then I had Garrett Cole twenty four, you had him twenty five. So we have the top same top three pitchers. Who are uh, let's just finish the top ten dynasty
2: pitchers here. Who, who are the rest of your top ten after Burns, mcclanahan and Cole? All right. So that would leave Sandy Alcantara at four Blair at five. Dylan Cease at six. I'll say Aaron Nola has been so quietly underrated this year. He's been so good. Yeah, I, I
1: do. I put out that tweet the other day. Like I was looking at like the last 30 day stats for pitchers. He had like one walk in his last seven okay. starts or something a day. Like well, last 37 and a third, like one walk. It's yeah, insane.
2: Like, he, he's he been steadily improving every year with like K minus BB, like walking less, striking out more. And like people thought that, that he was just a bad pitcher. Like, I don't know. He's still five for me. But anyway, Cease is at six. Woodruff at seven. Bueller at eight. Man, that was tough to leave Bueller that high, but I did. Right. Manoa at nine and Joe Musgrove at 10.
1: Yeah. So I'm, I'm really quick pulling up the qualified for qualified pitchers this year, which there are 63 of them. The K minus walk rate leaders. Aaron Noah has to be top five. Yeah, he's third. Hmm. So McClanahan's first, by actually a solid margin, 30.3%. <laughs> I guess this is K minus Walker at 30.3%. Burns is two at 26.7. Nola three at 25.7. And then Cole at 25.2. Cease at 22.9. Rodon, Severino, Wheeler, Gaussman, and Nasty Nester at number 10. Then Skubal, Freed, Bieber, Verlander, Montas. So, yeah, Nola is so underrated, but same thing for me. It was almost like the top 10 pitching ranks for Dynasty. I had the same kind of thought process as the, top you know 20 for overall dynasty is like there's a clear-cut top three right now for me of that or the number one tier of burns mcclanahan cole then it's just like again there's like a massive cluster where i wouldn't have any issue if anybody ranked them differently so after cole was at who's 24 overall i go down to sandy alcantara's my four and then i back-to-back manoa at five at 31 overall musgrove at 32 overall is my number six Bieber seven, Woodruff eight, Urias nine, and Walker Buehler at ten. And for reference, Buehler is at thirty-nine overall. So there's like so so four through ten is thirteen spots in my overall rankings, and really one through ten is twenty-three spots, seventeen to thirty-nine. So it's a it's a big cluster there. I have Cease as my number eleven. I actually number twelve. He's in the ma- another massive cluster with Wheeler Nola. And DeGrom, I said, I probably should have moved Noah up more. It's just a massive cluster for me. Cease is one, and we have him on the list to talk about. Cease, obviously, in terms of just pure talent, is probably top five. Like you, we, we've talked about the whiff rates, the strikeout rates, all of that chase rates. He's nasty, right? But then again, like I was looking at the other day, he had like a, over the last month, he had like a 2.5 ish ERI, but like a 1.7 whip. I don't know how you do that. <laughs> without, like, I'm like, you're playing with fire right there. If you're almost giving up two base runners per inning, or somehow only have a 2.5 ERA. He's one where I I I want to put him higher, but then I just look at some of the other, you know, the walk rates and, you know, the whip, the whip. Like I guess I think he was on pace for the highest whip for a sub-3 ERA season in about 100 years. <laughs> All those just keep holding me back a little bit. Again, the talent is absolutely there, but I don't know. I'm just really hesitant to go, like, top five on him. I don't know. What are your thoughts, Chris?
2: Yeah, he's tough. Obviously, the numbers have been there, but you bring up a lot of good points here. And he did pitch today, face the Orioles. So, you know, it's hard to say a whole lot, but he went seven, struck out 13. That's what you like to see. One earned runs. So, good start. Still had a a one, two, three whip in that start, which is. Yeah, Yeah, see he even throws a gem and his whip is still 1.23 which yeah. is terrible but you figured for a start like that you'd have a whip under 1 at least sorry I, that was misquoted that's that's the season that was the season line after that so that was oh, okay yeah yeah so <laughs> he he walked one and had four hits in seven so it'd been okay, a sub 1 yeah. yeah yeah but then yeah, again that was he'll, he'll go
1: out and have like another like high like 1.8 whip his next start i don't know it's like yeah, I, I want to see this a little more consistency for him. And, yeah, he's fifth in K-walk minus rate. If you look at it, he's at 34.3% K rate, which is second in baseball behind McClan- McClanahan, of course. But he also, he has the highest walk rate of this list by a mile. He's 11.4% walk rate. Everyone, everyone else inside the top 25, the next highest walk rate is eight eight 8.7% for Carlos Rodon. So he's nearly three full percentage points ahead of the next highest walk rate in this top 25 so it's just i don't know I, I that just gives me a little bit of hesitation
2: yeah i get that his may wasn't the best he had a 398 era in may still struck out 48 and in 31 innings obviously elite but he's allowed a lot of base runners the whip was one-three in may this month has been rather dominant 0.33 era that's just pretty silly and a one but still has a one two one whip over that span. <laughs> the good news is his last two starts at least and you know I mentioned the Orioles start but it was the the Blue Jays before that so a good team against the Jays he went 6 no earned runs, one hit and two walks, 11k. So, you know, only three walks over his last 13 innings and go back another start and only had one walk in it. So, that's also been it, it, so really the last four starts have been solid. He had a seven walk outing You know, against the Rays to start June, which was pretty killer. Just one hit allowed, but seven walks. That's brutal. And that'll really blow up the whip there. But, yeah, I mean, maybe – I think you're going to have some inconsistencies. I still think that, you know, that's just who he is. But, Mm. obviously, he's made some major strides. I think you're going to have those times where the walk rate ticks up pretty significantly. But you're also going to have those moments where he just looks like an ace, like he has the last several stars. So, you know, he is tough to rank for Dynasty, but he's still young, which certainly gives him a boost. 26 years old, and he's, you know, with how he's looked, you know, I, I think he's definitely top 10, top t- I'm six, so you know, close to top five. But I, it would be tough for him to crack the top five, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and looking at another thing here, like you look at the difference between strikeout rate and then case per nine. I like guess I said he's second to McClanahan and K's strikeout rate by 35.3 to 34.3. But for K per nine, 13.14 to 12.06 for McClanahan. But the reason why is still a better K guy is because he gives up less less base runners. so he's facing less batters. That's why his K rate's higher than Dylan Cease's. So that's why I that's why I, I don't even use K per nine anymore. I don't think it's great. I definitely for a K percentage, but but yeah, so that's the uh, our top 10 arms here. Let's get some risers and followers here. Let's start with some – we always get the get the bat out of the way first, so let's start with some followers here. Start on the hitting side of things, and we, uh, we'll start with three outfielders here. Cedric Mullins, Nick Castellanos, and Tyler O'Neill. Let's start with Castellanos. I think we, we've been talking about him a little bit off and on, and it's, I think we were both kind of surprised to see him go to a hitter's park – Good, you know, lineup that I was supposed to mash, and for the most part, they have. You know, Harper was having a great season, Chorba's been hitting dongs, but Castellanos has just been not good at all. He hasn't been terrible, but just very, you know, very underperforming where we thought he would be. Let's we'll say that. So, in this first three hundred and six plate appearances, slashing two forty nine, three hundred four, three eighty four, only seven home runs, thirty seven RBI, thirty runs, and a trio of steals. Look at the stat cast metrics and they're just as bad. Like There's nothing, you know, you don't look like, all right, he's underperforming. There's a lot of you know, great metrics here. No, the quality of contact is down. Hard hit rate's down almost 10%. Barrel rates drop. Average exit velocity is dropped. And these are all like under league average at this point. So I don't know. There's not a lot of signs here that point you know, him returning to the Casianos that we saw in the last couple of years. Like last year when he had 34 home runs, 100 RBI, he hit 309. That might be the best we see of him, but I don't know. Where are you at on uh, Castellanos here, Chris?
2: He's, you know, it's bizarre just to see what's happened. I mean, obviously, leaving Great American Small Park is was going to be a little bit of a detriment, but he still went to another good park for yeah hitters, in my opinion. Like it, it's not a huge downgrade. I mean, no, it. I don't know, but it's everything else that concerns me. I mean, he went a good stretch with being you know one of the better hitters in baseball. And especially when he got out of Detroit, like he was, the numbers were always there. And once he got out of Detroit, like the numbers just really blossomed, but you know, he's striking out more that's going upwards this year. It's still just 23 and a half percent. So it's manageable, but it's not, you know, great. He's been lower than that in recent years, hard hit rate is okay. I mean, it's still sub 40%, which in the past, he's been at 46 the last two years, at least, and you mentioned the average exit velocity is down you know, almost a mile, and, over a mile and a half, which is pretty significant there. So I don't know. You just have to wonder, like, the profile is interesting to me, and I'm just wondering, like, can he rebound? And I think he can. I mean, it's not like he's old and just, like, washed up by any means. We're talking about a hitter who had his career best year last year and now just really struggling. And honestly, like, the Phillies lineup in general just – hasn't been great, but I'm struggling to really pinpoint like what the issue is. Like it's home run to fly ball rates, you know, down significantly from 225 and a half percent last year to 9.5% this year. But overall, everything else is very similar. Contact rates and no swing, like all this stuff looks pretty similar overall. So I don't know. I'm struggling what to make of them, but the results aren't there. So naturally, like he has to be dropped from for dynasty standpoint. Yeah.
1: And see, for me, he dropped from forty four to sixty nine. So I, I still have faith in him. So but he, he is thirty years old now these metrics aren't great, like we mentioned. He's hitting more ground balls as well, which factors into the, you know, a lot of things. Yeah, I just he's probably gonna drop even more. I need to see something soon from Cassianos or else I'm gonna drop him even more. Like if he, he goes another month, month and a half, like i probably do my next update probably late July or so. Maybe early August. We'll see, but if he goes another, like, you know, five weeks of this level of production, I think he m- might be outside my top 100 by that point. It'll be a, a bigger drop next time because, again, if it's not like he's 26. You know, so he's going to be 31. He'll be 31 later in the offseason. But, yeah, he's definitely falling for me. And Tyler O'Neal, too, you know, he's always been a very intriguing but interesting player, obviously, like, Power speed has been there, but he's always, you know, it was almost like the Javier Baez of the outfield, pretty much. And we've seen what Baez has been has been falling this year, even though he's been on tear over the last week or so. But you look at O'Neill, and he's been hurt, dinged up a bit this year. Has multiple stints on the IL. Overall, 185 plate appearances, 241, 292, 361 slash. Only four home runs, but has had a six steals, which is nice. But that's basically it. Everything else is not great from him. Hard hit rate down. The approach is about the same, but still an issue. He's actually cut the K rate 2%, but hasn't really helped. The barrel rate, though, has been almost cut in half, 179 to 9.4%. Average exit V is down. So what you really expected out of him, that elite power, just has not been there this season. Ground ball rate's up as well. Who are you? Like,
2: Who would you rather take a chance on buying low right now, Chris, O'Neill or Cassiano's? Probably O'Neal. I mean, just younger and the power speed. Interestingly enough, I mean, his contact rate is the best of his career. His own contact rate is up nearly 5% from last year. Like, I'd say those are pretty noticeable. Uh, Really, the biggest difference is his home run to fly ball rate. It's just, like, bizarre because he does have big power. We haven't quite seen it this year. But his home run fly ball rate is not going to stay at 10%. So I do think that. Really trends upward. He's hitting plenty of fly balls. Like that's not an issue at all, even though the fly ball rate is down six percentage points from last year. But still, you you have to think that that home run the fly ball rate does come up. He's probably he he wasn't gonna sustain a 366 Babip, in my opinion, from last year. He's running a 319 Babip right now. I think his average probably settles in closer to 260, but the power speed is still gonna be there, in my opinion. Just wonder how much injuries have affected him this year. I know he's kind of been banged up and missed plenty of time, but hopefully he gets back in his rhythm and can really get going. You know, I'm I'm thinking that he'll be fine long term once he gets fully healthy. So I'd rather bio Neil at this point.
1: I would as well. I want to throw this other outfielder into the mix too, Cedric Mullins. And you look at him, obviously coming off the huge thirty. You know, he was the biggest value pick of last year. He's one of those guys I've taken what outside pick 400 probably i don't know way late and put up a 30 30 year this year 254 307 378 six home runs 16 seals 37 runs and 28 rbi you know quality of contact has never been the greatest even last year which was a career best uh, basically across the board with this quality of contact this year everything's kind of slightly down the you know, K rate's exactly the same, walk rates down a little bit, but just that power that we all – that we kind of hinted that. Chris and I talked about this a few times this offseason. We're like, all right, he probably hit for a good average. So, which That's why I'm surprised he's only hit 254. I thought he still hit like 270, 280. The speed is still been there. He's still on a 30-steel pace, or even more than that. But just the power going down even more than I think we both expected, and then the average as well. I think that's the, the big thing why I dropped him down from – oh, let's see here – he was 31. Now he's 61. And again, same thing as with Cassianos. I need to see something from him or he's to be, you know, in the 80 to 90 range next update in a, in a month here. But I don't know. What What are your thoughts on Mullins, Chris? And to kind of lump him in. Would you rather take a, a shot on him than the other two? I
2: still think I'd rather have O'Neill at this point. I was already kind of fading Mullins before the year. I thought his value just got a little high. It is encouraging to see him still running, as you mentioned. Like, you're going to get the stolen bases, but without much power – and obviously the bagging average is taking a hit as well. Like he's basically like a worse Tommy Edmond at this point. You know, Edmond's providing good average and giving you similar power speed. So I'd much rather bank on Edmund at this point. I mean, Mullins is rocking a 682 OPS right now. He's just not going to cut it. I mean, yeah, he's going to stay in the lineup, but you have to at least be a little bit concerned. Yeah, he's just not hitting the ball as hard. And his power was fringe last year, in my opinion. And I didn't think that it was going to sustain 30 home run power. But we're probably looking closer to 12 to 15, I'd guess. Which is still a, a 15, 30 player is good. But it's not a top 50 dynasty player, in my opinion. Especially if yeah. the batting average is not there. And especially the OBP is not walking at all. Like last year was an anomaly for, of a walk rate for his career at this point. I mean, I'm if he settles in below 6% walk rate, like he's not a top 100 OBP type guy, in my opinion, and he's kind of moving that direction for me right now. So I'd still rather bank on O'Neill. I think I'm
1: with you. I don't know. I think obviously they have value in different ways, but I don't know. I'm not sure I'm running out to get either yeah. or any of these three, to be honest with you. I, I think I definitely would rather. I don't know if I have a big, you know, I don't know if I want Mullins or O'Neill. I don't really have a preference there, or at least a strong one. I think I do prefer those two to Cassiano's just because of the age at this point, at least for a buy low, I should say. So, I don't know, but all three have just been very underperforming this year. We'll go through the other couple of names here quickly. Let's lump these two together because they're both on Kansas City. Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield. Perez is now out for the rest of the season. Uh, unfortunately, and Whitmer Field is just eh, been kind of man this season. And he's how old is he now? Is he 33 now? He is, yeah, he's 33 and a half years old. And he's another one where I kind of expected him to kind of fall off more this year. Like he was really helped out by the happy fun ball. Even that, he only hit what, how many home runs he had last year? 10 or 11. So seeing him. Just not impacting the ball at all. He still has 10 steals. He like a 22-ish steal pace, but only his 275 OBP, which definitely factors into his lower stolen base you know, production as well. He had 40 steals last year with, yeah, with 10 home runs, hitting 277. He's a guy that every year of his career, 283, 288, 304, 302, 282, 277, and now 227. If you had to pick, are you, are you really looking to invest or buy low in either of these two, given their age, the performance drop for Witt, the injury for Sal? He wasn't even hitting that well. had some had some solid power, but he was way down this year. I don't know. Any any bright spots here for you and for these two guys?
2: <laughs> this is always my fear with this kind of profile, especially with Witt Merrifield, where he's so reliant on the stolen bases for his fantasy value. And when those go, it's just like, all values lost. And yeah, I mean he has 10, but you also have to factor in that he's had 320 plate appearances. So he's just not running at the rate you want and where you what you drafted him for, which really hurts. And there's no power. Also, the batting average is down significantly. I mean, 584 OPS we're talking like that's <laughs> absolutely brutal. Yeah, not good. Yeah, it's it's hard to watch. He's putting plenty of balls into play. It's really interesting what's going on in this profile. He actually is barreling the ball at a higher rate than last season and every season except 2017 and 2020. So you have to wonder if he could be on the rise at least. I mean, his XBA is 280, but I'm just not going out of my way to invest in him right now. I just don't think this is the kind of profile that you invest in in Dynasty unless it's just so cheap that you, know, you just take the shot because why not? I could see yeah. that but I'm not like running out of my way to, to go get him right now. Sal, yeah, I, not really either, honestly. Yeah. So, so it's a witch 33 and a half years old now.
1: And Sal is 32 coming off is another major injury, Second major injury here that the knee injury a few years back. So you got to wonder, you know, catcher getting to his mid thirties here pretty soon, multiple injuries, yeah, I've always been a big Sal guy. You know, obviously this year I was saying sell high, but you know I've always liked Sal, good amount, good player for a long time now. But I don't know catcher that age, that those injuries. Again, his performance was down as well. I like can mention power numbers were solid, but everything else approach was not great. Uh, never has been, but it's even worse this year. Uh, and some of the other metrics have gone down as well. Like his contact was way down to seventy-three point eight percent. Whiff rate up. Chase rate has always been above forty percent every year of his career. That's never been good. So yeah, not not a lot I want to invest in there. Last set here that we'll group together as well. A couple of young angels here. We got some old guys in Kansas City to a couple of young guys out in Los Angeles or technically out in well I'm forgetting? the actual town that they're the city's the ballpark's in. Chris, help me out here. I'm doing a blank. Anaheim, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I just couldn't think of Anaheim for some weird reason. But anyway, Joe Adele, Brendan Marsh. Really, just have not lived up to the hype. Like, Brandon Marsh, we'll start there. We've talked about him a little less. We talked about Adele. Marsh just can't curb the strikeout issue. Like, he's got six home runs, four steals. That's, you know, that's kind of nice a little bit. That's like a, I don't know, he's on like a 16, 17 homer, 13, 14 steal pace or whatever. But 34.4% K rate. Last year was 35. So you're now up to 502 career plate appearances of that K rate near 35%. That's becoming an issue. And he was never, you know, a super high K rate guy in the minors. It was, I think, first, he was around 25% for the most part, give or take. But this has become an issue to the point where I'm starting to get very concerned. Yeah, it's still twenty five hundred plate appearances, but couple that with below average, you know, contact metrics, but, you know, below average whiff rates. I'm starting to get concerned. And then Joe Adele, same thing. He, he's, this K rate is super high with him. He can't make enough contact, can't put the ball in play enough. He's hitting 250 this year, but 216 overall. K rates 34.5% this year, 3.4% walk rate. I just wonder if the the approach is going to hold these guys back and they're always going to be kind of underperformers for
2: basically their entire career. Kind of seems that way. And it's sad. I mean, the early returns were really good. I mean, Adele Spring training was yeah. kind of hype. And then March started off the season really hot. But you're right. The approach just. Isn't going to be able to sustain them at this point, which that's my concern. It's just they just strike out way too much to to put those tools to use because they both do. They both have the tools, but both are still young. I'm not ready to completely write them off, but certainly fading at this point. And you know, monitoring closely because they could just be you know pretty irrelevant pretty quickly.
1: Are either top 200? Do you think, Chris? I have them both right around. They're both. Right around 200 from me. And then I think, again, I need to see something sooner. It's going to be a, a huge drop next update. But where do, you, where do you have these
2: guys? I've got March actually around 250, Adele right at 200. Obviously, March has shown a little bit more, but I just still believe in Adele's tool set you know, a little bit more. So I, I'm starting to
1: not... Want to invest in these guys? Like, yeah, like, like the, always. Like we mentioned that the tools are intriguing. Like, you know, Marsh has always had a, a solid, little, you know, like fifteen homer, twenty plus steel power, speed type of profile coming up through the minors. Adele has a, the big power, can run a little bit. Has had those like flashes of brilliance. Like you, you, you know, you referenced spring training this year. So it's, they just do just enough just to keep you intrigued. But at this point, I don't know. We've seen these K rates just wreck hitters' careers. And I think these, I don't know, I don't want to say these guys are quad A guys at this point, but I think that's kind of creeping into the picture here as a possible outcome for these two, unfortunately. So we're, we're past the half an hour, Mark. So let's go ahead and hit a quick break here. We'll go back on the other side, get in some pitching followers, and then finish out with some hitting and pitching Rogers in our ranking. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back.
0: All right,
1: welcome back from the break. We have a trio of pitching followers here. Well, obviously, there's more than just these three, but all the other ones we've kind of talked about recently. So we wanted to really focus on these three here. We got Jose Barrios from the Blue Jays, Trevor Rogers from the Marlins, and Ian Anderson from Chris's Atlanta Braves. Sarah Barrios, who just got absolutely lit up again today. What was that final line today? Two and two-thirds, eight earned runs after a four-inning, six-earned run outing before that. Like I tweeted that. I was kind of like poking fun. It was like, you know, I hope people sold after he was dominating Baltimore and Detroit. Like, he had those two really good starts. or really three starts in a row. And Minnesota in there as well. And Minnesota's kind of been scuffling offensively this year too. Where it was like, all right, Barrios is back. Oh, he's back. I'm like, all right, let's wait till we face some solid lineups. And he has, and he sucks. So, 14 earned runs in his last two starts, which is six and two-thirds innings. And, again, the metrics just have not been there. His e- always ERA indicators are actually higher by about a run. Like, his XERA is 6.21, for example. Actually, that was before this start, and his actual ERA is now up to 586, 139 whip. K rate's only 19.5%. You know, whiff rate's down, bail rate's up, all hard hit rate's way up. And I think he's a guy, like I'll say it again, that was v- very much overrated even when he was, like, good, I think he was still, like, valued much too highly for what he was doing performance-wise, where it was, like, you know, mid to upper three ERA and, you know, 23, 24, 25% key rate. And he's kind of being valued as, like, a top-20 guy. That's not top-20 stuff. That's, like, 30 to 35 range or something like that. So, I don't know. Do you see any reason to want to buy into Barrios right now, Chris? Because you look at a Savant page and it's a big load of blue balls. I don't know like using the sliders too much, but it's kind of hard to miss those sliders. And how bad they are at the top of the page.
2: Yeah, it's pretty atrocious. Really, I think he was valued so high just because how consistent he was. Yeah, just year over year. I mean, he just produced, and you knew you could count on him for that mid to high threes ERA with with decent strikeouts. But in this year, that's just all gone by the wayside completely. I'm. I don't know. I it's hard to pinpoint what's going wrong. I mean, it's not like he's had a dip in velo, none of that stuff, but his four seams has been ridiculously bad and he's throwing it more than he pitch. Like last year he used it 26% of the time, now he's using it nearly 34% of the time. It's got a 3.56 batting average against, 6 home runs allowed, a 15% whiff rate. Like there's just nothing good there with it and he's still using it. The curveball has been Okay, it's – I mean, that's when the majority of the strikeouts are coming. He's still allowing a lot of home runs. He's just missing pitches, allowing home runs. Five home runs have come off the curve, but he does have a 176 batting average against and a 33% whiff rate. Other than that, not much is going for him, but it's, I think it just comes down to location. The location on his pitches just has been pretty poor, and he's missing in places where he can't miss. But – it's not like I think he can turn it around either because it just keeps getting worse and worse. And I just wonder if he's in his head at this point. Like it's a mental thing, which yeah. I really, I really could see at this point when you're pitching this bad. Like it's just got to be in your head. So, and you mentioned the ERA indicators don't really give me much hope either. He's not striking guys out. I don't even know where to rank him at this point. Like I don't think he should be in like top 250s. But I'm struggling with like that much of a drop. Like That's tough because he was top 100 for me prior.
1: Yeah, yeah, he was top 100 for me, too, entering the season. But this is nothing. And to take it a little bit further, zone contact rate, 89.4%. Whiff rate, 20.7%. Both of those are just absolutely terrible. The ground ball rate has been decreased by 8%, down to 437 to 357 More fly balls, more line drives. Again, like you mentioned the fastball. It was weird to see him. So last year... His sinker was better than his fastball. Last year, he used a sinker 29.6% of the time. Four-seamer, 26.7. Sinker was 230 batting average against and a 346 slug. Four-seamer was two eighty two. No, excuse me, 275 and 538, so much, much higher slug. He's up the... It hasn't been like a huge difference, but up the four-seamer 7%, and the sinker has dropped down 5.3%. So like that... That swing there, kind of odd to see, and it just hasn't worked out. Like you mentioned, the four-seamer has been one of the worst four-seamers in baseball with those metrics. So, yeah, I just don't see. Like, I don't think he ever even gets back to the their kind of range of production where he was. And if he's even if he gets back to like a four-five, I mean, a low to mid-four ERA and twenty-two percent K rate, like, I'm you're talking like I don't know Zach, please Zach. I don't know. <laughs> it's just not a lot of encouragement here in the profile. Yeah, he's just dropped. I'm I should have done even more. I probably should have been even more harsh in my rankings. And yeah, unless I see something soon, he's gonna take a massive, massive drop in my next update. Other two, Trevor Rogers, Ian Anderson, kind of similar. You know, I was looking at their just game by game, you know, performances, and you can't even point to like, oh, there was a blow up here and a blow up there. That's why their ratios are higher. No, Anderson is just like, in you know, a lot of four. You know, four earned runs here, four earned runs there, five there, three and earned runs and four innings there. Same with Rogers. This is a lot of, you know, this bad but not blow up starts. So it's not like you can, I'll take that one out and Bobby's here, right? Drops like a full run. He did have a seven earned run outing, but that was the second start of the year against Philly on the 16th of April. But Rodgers, we've just kind of been waiting for him to turn the corner and it just hasn't been there. We've, we've talked about the walk rate still super high. The K rates dropped way down. You know, wh- whiff rate has dropped a ton as well, which is still okay, 26.6%, but that's dropped. I just don't see a lot. Chase rates dropped as well. And Anderson, too, like maybe we just overrated him a bit. In fact, his metrics just keep getting consistently worse. Walker rates up. K rates keeps going down. A lot of kind of similar issues to Trevor Rogers. So I don't know. Which which one of these two would you rather have moving forward, Chris, Rogers or Anderson? I guess Rodgers,
2: but particularly neither. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. The answer, none of the above. Yeah. It's Anderson. I think he just was so dominant consistently in the playoffs. It's like, all right, this is what he can be. Like every playoffs is like he just turns on a different level and he's just dominant. But yet in the regular season, he just can't get it done for some reason. Like he's just average, but I'll say not even average, below average. And this year's no exception to that. I think he's. I mean, even when he's had good starts, they've just been kind of, you know, meh, like whatever, like nothing right. flashy or anything. I mean, he had two starts to go against the Cubs. Like, it looked really good. He went six and two-thirds and didn't allow an earned run, but he still only struck out six. So, it's like ne- never any dominance per se. And then he obviously faced the Dodgers on Friday, which is a tough matchup. And he didn't pitch bad, but he just, you know, that, when he finished out the fourth inning, just kind of, Gave out some steam. He was walking guys and allowed four earned and four innings. So it's just meh. And I just don't really see a whole lot of fantasy relevance at this point. And Rogers too, like Rogers whip is just horrific. Like, Mm. you know, you got to wonder if that can come down and like, where's the strikeouts with Rogers? Like Anderson's at least always been a lower strikeout guy, but like, can Rogers get back to striking guys out? And that's what, I don't know. Like it's bizarre to me to see the regression, like after last year, you know, last year being his 23-year-old season. And this year just, I don't know. It's it's tough to really pinpoint anything like bad that's going on there, in like poor location. The velo is not an issue. The velo is actually up on nearly every one of his pitches. And the, even the whiff rates are, are decent. I mean, the whiff rate on the four seam is pretty similar to last year. The changeup is down a little bit, so that is noticeable. The changeup was one of his better pitches last year. And his slider, too, like, I don't know. I'm struggling with both of them. I don't want either of them at this point, honestly. I don't either.
1: And like I said, if I had to choose one, dude, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I don't want either of them. It's just um, I, we've, we've we've gone through the metrics. Nothing is really positive on either one. Even Barry, I, I don't want – I don't want part of any of these three right now. If I had to pick one of this trio,
2: a gun to head Rogers, I yeah, guess. But, that would be mine too. If I had to,
1: but it's like, I don't want to, if I had to, I guess Rogers. Cause he's I, still very, obviously all three of these guys are so pretty. Uh, Bar- Barrios is a, a few years older, but not like he's old, but I guess Rogers, he, like he's shown and still a higher care K- than Anderson. I just, I don't know. I don't want any of these three. So I think this might be a time. If you, if you can still get, Anything of value, like I know selling low isn't always ideal, but sometimes it's a viable strategy, like buy high, sell low. Sometimes that can work, especially if you think that their value is going to continue to drop, which I think it might with all three of these guys. So you can still get like a top 150 value for any of these three. Yeah, I might I might hop on that. That's for sure. All right, let's get to some risers here. We'll start on the hitting set of things again. Start off with a couple catchers here. Alejandro Kirk and a little bit of William Contreras as well, but I think we'll focus more so on Kirk. We just went yard again today. Nobody can stop Alejandro Kirk. He's just a man on fire. He's in fuego. Whatever term you want to use, that applies to Kirk and then some. He's up to a 322, 409, 523 slash line. He says 11th home run today. Uh, 31 RBI, 35 runs. Obviously, he doesn't steal because he's a little bowling ball. But <laughs> if you look at the metrics here, man, like so much just good in the metrics. You know, the, the co- quality of contact, it won't wow you, but it's good. You know, 10.3% barrel rate, 437 hard hit rate. But the approach is so good. He has more walks than strikeouts. You just don't see that very often, especially from a catcher. I think maybe, I don't know, the Maurer maybe had a few seasons or Buster Posey maybe, but you just don't see that much at all, especially from a catcher. All of his expected stats back it up. He's a 324 XBA, 570 x So they're even higher than what he's doing right now. You now, whiff rate is, where was it? Whiff rate is only 14.4%. Chase rate 24.3, zone contact 86. Just, again, across the profile, is just really, really good. I think he's a top five dynasty catcher right now, and he's might be getting up, you know, close to top three at this point. Like, I, I don't, I might be moving him ahead of like Dalton Varsho pretty soon here. You know, Varsho has that little speed element, but Kirk is just such a good
2: hitter, and I don't see any reason to think this won't continue. I think I want Kirk above. actually to just move him above. Real Muto in Sal Perez at this point. Yeah, I think I think he's ahead, I think he's ahead of Perez. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. He's 23 years old. Like, can we talk about that? I mean, he's <laughs> doing this at 23. All the other catchers for the most part are significantly older, minus like Varsho. Like even Wilson Contreras is, is what, 30, I think. Yeah, I was I mean, gonna say 20. He's yeah, he's around thirty. Yeah. yeah. He's this is exactly who we thought he could be. And we talked about this and we pumped him all all off season because the hit tool was so good. We knew there was power in the profile. I mean, he had an average exit velocity last year of 92.3 miles an hour. We knew he could hit for power, and now he's doing it. The approach is impeccable. Like, the approach is insanely good. So, yeah, I mean, I think that Kirk is easily top five catcher. Let's see. with with, uh, Where I just moved him, now all I have ahead of him is, I think, Adley, Will Smith, Varsho, and Wilson Contreras. I think you make an argument above Varsho to it, maybe, but... Kirk I a, yeah, I think you make an argument... You
1: can make at least an argument above any everybody except the only two that I, I want are just Adley and Will Smith. Yes. I think you can literally ha- at least have a discussion about any other catcher in baseball right now.
2: Yep. I can see that.
1: Where That's, does he... In, in your 80th percentile exit velocity, I got a feeling he's got to rank pretty highly.
2: I'll pull it up and let you know. Yeah. Is
1: it, is it, Kirk, like I said the quality product isn't like superb. He's not like elite, but it's really good. He's always puts, you know, has good at bats, makes good contact. He's just a guy that he's going to have a long, really productive career. Like I said, he's only 23. You mentioned that he's only 23. Still yeah. already showing this type of approach and, and solid power. I think he's, he's very good for a very long, you know, maybe i don't know how the body ages as he gets into his 30s but that's 7 years out we'll worry about that then i think we have at least the next half decade to 7 8 years of just high level production where he's probably going to stick around top 5 ish in that range at this position guy that can hit 280 i think 280 is his floor probably 300 you know with you know 15 20 home runs and solid counting stats i think he's going to be a guy that's you know, he's on pace for about 80 runs and 75 rbi and he wasn't really playing full-time until, you know, May. So another 80 r ADR run, 80-RBI type of guy with just really good four-category guy. So, yeah. So where you got that up yet?
2: Yeah, he surprisingly doesn't rank that well. In 90th, he ranks 86th, which is interesting. Yeah, 86th um,
1: percentile or 86th? Sorry,
2: 86th overall among okay. all hitters, yeah. And then in 80th percentile... He's a little better there. He ranks 52nd. But that's okay. also that also doesn't include I haven't updated it in about a week. And he's been pretty good over the last week, hadn't he? So He'll probably he's had, up a little bit. Yeah. He's had one he's had four home runs since I updated it. So I will update it and uh, let the people know where he is after that. Okay. But one guy I know is
1: high on that 80th percentile because you wrote about him. Another catcher, William Contreras. So you know, as, as a Braves fan, Chris, you have to be really impressed with what Contreras has done so far. The power has been very, very good. You know, here it's a little bit high. We're still walking at a, at a pretty solid clip as well. Do you think, you know, maybe not top five, but do you think he could be maybe a top ten fantasy catcher? What do you
2: think? Yeah, if he just gets everyday playing time, I think the path is definitely there. Because so we're still talking about a player that has just 128 plate appearances right now. He's just, I mean, Dr knows the catcher, and that's the biggest issue. He's just not playing consistent enough, but you know, it it's okay because when he plays, he's been good. And he slowed down a little bit as of recent, but still, it's still been a really solid season for him. You know, tonight he is playing. He has two walks actually in nice. three played appearances. So you see kind of a solid approach all around, I think. And he hits the ball extremely hard too. He hits it all fields well. I think that with the chance at every day at bats, I think that we can see him. And I, I think that's one of the reasons that we've seen the batting average at least trend downward. Some just not playing consistently enough. And I think if he plays every day, that we could see that really tick upward. So I don't know. I mean, maybe it's not this year, but I do think that the profile is there for a top 10 catcher long term.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. Like that, even with the slowdown. He still has an ISO above 300. And like I said, you know, solid walk rate. You mentioned he's two walks tonight. That's very encouraging. Good, you know, great quality of contact. 16.5% barrel rate is very good. 48.1% hard hit rate. A 580x slug, 503x Wobicon. A lot of good in that profile. So maybe he's more like a 250 guy, but he gets enough playing time. It could be 250 with 20 plus, You know, maybe 25 home runs. Definitely has the power for it. And you saw them trying to get him in the lineup, put him in the outfield a little bit. Like they want that bat. In the lineup, I think that's been very apparent. So hopefully they can they can do so. But yeah, Dayarno's been p- pretty good as well. So yeah. he definitely has warranted his playing time too. So all right, moving over to actually I actually think the rest of the hitters are all yeah we don't have any outfielders on the list. That's weird. But again, again, there's more risers. We still want to talk about guys we talked about recently. So I try to talk some new names here. So the rest of this hitting risers list are all infielders. Starting with let's go over to Jeremy Pena here. Who just came back off the eye yeah, today on Sunday? At a, I think he had a, a base knock today as well in RBIs, too. He's been obviously the, you know, the IL stint it was a bummer. He was really very well. Obviously, he wasn't a huge name coming into the year. Obviously, Witt, J Rod, who have been very good as well, have been really garnering a lot of the attention. You know, Mackenzie Gore, too. But Pena has just had quite a very solid year. You look at his stats, and he's on a you know, not almost a 30 20 pace, like he has 215 plate appearances, nine home runs, six deals. You put that at six, 650 plate appearance pace, it's about 27 and 18 with a 277, 332, 472 slash line, 195 ISO. You know, so the metrics again don't jump off the page at you, but they're all just solid to you know above average across the board. Got that you know it's good sprint speeds in a great home ballpark. Looks like he's gonna be you know entrenched as their shortstop here for the foreseeable future. So, you know, maybe I hate to say the next Lindor, because that is very, very high praise, but it kind of reminds me of Lindor in the fact that you know the number, the metrics are you never just never wow you on savant, but the overall production does. And the metrics are not saying they're bad for with Lindor, they're still so solid. But it's good park. It's, he's in a great park for him. Yeah, I think he could be a guy that might sneak into the top ten shortstop annually.
2: What do you think? Is that too high or no? I mean, I don't think so. He's you know shortstop's obviously deep, but he's moved up pretty significantly for me. I have him at sixty six overall, so mm. that that puts him in a pretty good range of shortstops and a lot of talent, obviously at the position. But I think he's legit. I mean, we're still talking about a young twenty four year old guy who's just Getting the chance and he's producing, and you know he's added strength over the last couple of years. When people thought he didn't have power, he's got a good field to hit. So I certainly believe that he can be a, a top fifteen type guy. The power speed's there. Stay healthy and just produce, man. Like the I think it's certainly in the profile here, and you know it's it certainly eased the Astros' pain of losing Correa. Absolutely, and I I, I went back to,
1: I forget where I said it but I found maybe it was on here. Yes. I tweeted about it after I made this claim on here that Pina would have a better season than Correa and Correa has heated up a, a bunch lately, but I think Pina was having a better season until he got hurt, and I think he's still good. I think I'd rather have Pina thinking than Correa right now in dynasty. Would you, would you as well?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you make an argument for it. They're close. I mean, I have Correa head in my dynasty ranks, but it's not far off at this point. And yeah, you know, Pina, Certainly, the sprint speed and the stolen bases help that value some too that Correa doesn't have. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. So, and I think, yeah, yeah, I think they definitely are in the same ballpark here. I think I even have them within probably ten spots or so in my rankings. But I do think that you know, while Correa, I think can you know maintain and, and stay in the range where I have him, I think that Pena is just going to go up. So that's so why you know if I had to invest while they're you know somewhere in my rankings now. I just see that changing. Like next year, like by this time next year, I could see Pena being a good 50 spots ahead of, of Correa. Like Correa around 100, Pena in like the 40 to 50 range. I could really see that. The other three infielders we have here Christopher Morell, the kind of darling, came out of nowhere this year. I'm even not even out of nowhere, but definitely a great surprise, that's for sure. Tommy Edman and Glaber Torres. I guess let's, let's start with Morel here who has always had a nice little power speed blend on the minors. And he slowed down a little bit of late and does have some red flags in the profile. But you look at five home runs and seven steals and 171 plate appearances, multi-position eligibility. We can play some seconds, thirds, some, third, some shorts, some some center field as well. Maybe he's never a great average guy. Like He doesn't have you know, the greatest approach. He does have a little bit of a higher K rate right now, 29.5%. You know, zone contact currently sits at 71.4, so that is a good amount below average, higher whiff rate. He's always been a bit aggressive, but just that pow- nice little power speed line. I think so maybe he's a 250 guy with, you know, 18 to 20 home runs and, you know, a little bit more than that in steals, 22, 24 steals, something like that. So I think that's a top 100 profile. I haven't put him there yet, but I think he has that upside.
2: Yeah, he's kind of crazy. I don't know how he slipped through the cracks as much as he did and then just came out of Really feels like he came out of nowhere this year. The whiff rate and the K rate is a little concerning to me. So I wonder like how sustainable his approach is. Like, will that hurt him long term? And it's possible. But as you mentioned, the power speed element is certainly there. And it's been fun to watch his ascent up rankings. So I don't know. I'm struggling, like he's one of the ones I've struggled most of where to rank. But you can't deny what he's done, and he's certainly a huge riser. Like he's in my top two hundred. Like I can say that confidently.
1: Yeah, I think I put him around like one sixty-ish in that range. Yeah, I think there's more room to move him up. Uh, yeah, more room to move up, and then I think there's some room to move down too. If if that approach kind of hinders him a bit, he might move down a little bit. But yeah, I think he's definitely top two hundred right now. That's for sure. Yeah, the other two names here, obviously not younger, you know, a little bit older. Glaber is Glaber's only 25. How is he only 25? So <laughs> that's ridiculous. And Edmund, uh, I thought Edmund was a little bit older. He's only 27. So, but still a little bit older than Morrell. but both of them, Edmund didn't really have, you know, a down year coming into this year, but there's a lot of people that were down on him. And you know, he's never, never a guy that's had the metrics that wow you either. And, and Glaber just kind of hasn't really come close to matching that great year he had back in what year was it, 2019 when he had that thirty-eight home run year, including like 37 of those against Baltimore. <laughs> But so this year, real quick, let's kind of pair these two together. And 323 plate appearances. That has to be one of the league leaders. That's a lot of plate appearances. For Edmund, 269, 342, 400 slash line, seven home runs, 31 RBIs. Here are the two big numbers that really boosted this value 17 steals. So he's on like about a 36, 37 steal pace and 55 runs scored. So he might be pushing like 121s and pretty, pretty damn good St. Louis lineup. You know, he's got Goldie and Arenado behind him. So. Actually, when I, let me say Glaber stats here. Glaber is up to 250, 302, 487, 13 home runs, 32 RBI, four steals, and 33 runs scored. You know, his quality of contact metrics are back up to even better. These are career best numbers for him by a decent margin, even better than 2019. So I guess which, which one of these performances are you more believer in between Edmund and Glaber, Chris? And which one would you rather invest in right now in Dynasty?
2: Well, I have Edmund ranked higher right now. Obviously, the, are, yeah. yeah, the speed element's been huge for him. Glaber is interesting. He's hitting the ball by far the hardest of his career, significantly higher than any point we've seen. But he's like selling out for fly balls, which is interesting. His fly ball rate is 51.4%. You know, previous high was his rookie season at 42%. Last year was just 36%. So that's been interesting to see. The ground balls have obviously gone down in return not hitting many line drives but naturally you're going to see some more home runs and glaber has been hitting well to all fields too which is has been cool to see he's not just getting that poolside power there's pretty consistent power in the profile so it's good to see his return edmund obviously as you mentioned not going to be as much of a power source as glaber but the stolen bases totally make up for that and he's a much better source of obp which Factors in my rankings too. So, yep. both profiles have been cool to see rise up, but I'd just rather have Edmund right now for the speed because you, you're you not sacrificing power with him to get those stolen bases, which is pretty huge.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to agree because, you know, while Gleber obviously has the power advantage, I think Edmund has a bigger speed advantage. I think Gleber does a power yep. advantage. And you know, the fact that Edmund is hitting high in that St. Louis lineup, getting a ton of runs. Uh, he is you nearly know, uh, 53. 55 runs to Gaber's 33. Maybe he's got the same amount of RBI, so more run production or more run scored, I should say. A lot more steals. I definitely love that value. But Gleyber, he's one that I've always been a bit harsh on. I didn't believe fully in that breakout year he had and, and I've kind of been very sour on him just because of the metrics. And I think it was warranted. I'm not saying my being down on him was wrong. I think it was definitely warranted, but he's definitely turned the page. Like You look at the metrics and he's definitely you know improved and I had to move him back up, but he's not Top 100 for me. Uh, where did I put him? 118, but he was 194 before that, so he was almost on my top 200. So definitely warranted to jump back up, but I don't think he's top 100 still. Like, the average is still kind of mid. OBP is mid. Doesn't run that much. This is a little power source. But what's the difference between him and like a I don't know Ryan Mountcastle? I think they're actually pretty similar at this point in time. And I don't have Mountcastle top 100 either. And I, don't, I haven't really ever thought about him as, as a top 100 guy. So you know, top 150, top 130, definitely, but. You know, not top 100, that's for sure. All right. Was, was that it for hitters? Yes, it was. All right. Let's go over to pitchers here. We got, you know, six, seven names here. Obviously, we're getting we're already a little bit long. We're already at the hour mark, so we won't go super deep in these guys. But, you know, we got Luis Severino, Shane McClanahan, Jeffrey Springs, Dylan Cease, Tony Gonsolin, Spencer Strider, and Christian Javier, who just had a – a, majestic performance <laughs> mag- magnificent i almost said mag- magnificent first but yeah the no hitter going through seven obviously they pulled up because of 115 pitches but they were able to close it out against the yankees which is you know always a little bit sweeter for me being a red sox fan but yeah this is a lot of good names here so i guess i don't know who do you want to talk about chris
2: well it is worth i gotta say spencer Strider just threw a gym tonight against the dodgers which is pretty notable i mean he went he six did, yeah. No earned runs, no walks, which is pretty significant. Five hits and seven Ks, so that's obviously huge from him. That Must- mustache power, baby—the power mustache. of the stash. He's ridiculous, man. I mean, he's, he throws the fastball so often, but he just pumps it by everybody. I mean, it's ridiculous how well it performs. in the slider's elite pitch. You've mentioned the changeup before, so Strider is worth do, noting. Do you have
1: his? Do you have his game feed up? Sorry, do you have his game? His game feed up. Yep. What was? How uh, What was the usage on the on the uh, changeup tonight? six percent he threw ah, it six times i want yeah. him to throw it more like obviously it's, it's a small small sample size but the whiff rate is pretty solid so i want to see him like even like 12 to 15 percent
2: just in that yeah. range i think i'd yeah. be a lot happier <laughs> take the four seam usage down i mean through the four seamer 64 times to 25 sliders and six change-ups like just use the four seam less and mix in the change-up a little more yeah i mean it the change-up's a really good pitch but I don't know. I I have no clue what he's doing, but it, it's working. So he's one like he bumped way up for me, and I like this star just helps solidify that. I was kind of nervous about where I put him at one it was in the one thirty range. I have to find him, but I was kind of nervous like that was high. But he just keeps getting the job done, and yeah, I don't know, it's hard to argue against what Strider's done. So yeah, he's been impressive. Cease, we already kind of hit on a little bit earlier where he's just. Yeah, I think worthy of easily top 10. Springs is the one that I struggle with. And I uh, we've talked about this a little bit off air. Like, who is Jeffrey Springs? And I don't – I can't say with confidence that I know. Like, he just keeps getting the job done, but he's like 29. Kind of, you know, I won't say like pop out of nowhere type guy, but hey, he's been so good. You can't argue against the results that he's getting. But it's still like, I just wonder like how long the success can continue. His last two starts at least have been, man, even though the strikeouts have been there, his last two starts against the Orioles and the Pirates of all teams, he's gone 10 and one third with seven earned runs between them. Now he did strike out nine Pirates the other day in six innings, which is, was encouraging. But I just wonder like, is he going to trend downward soon? I don't know, but for now, like he's producing, and you can't really argue against what he's doing with the strikeout and walk rate, both really good. So I struggle. Like, he's one of the hardest ones to rank right now, in my opinion.
1: Oh, he definitely is. And, you know, I, and I put that poll up from our, our show account here between Strider and Ian Anderson. And Strider won, I think, pretty handily. I want to say it was probably around two thirds to one third. And there was, you know, th- some comments saying, oh, it's recency bias. And yeah, maybe that factored in a little bit, but. You look at what, what about Anderson makes you want to take him over Strider at this point. You know, Anderson's, you know, more established. Sure, he's had the postseason success. That's great. But Strider is just, is just, way, just looking to just watch a Strider start and watch an Anderson start. And I'm way more impressed with Strider. You mentioned how he, you know, dominated the Dodgers today. He's got the good stuff, the elite fastball. The slider is one of the best in baseball already. The changeup has the potential to be a pretty solid pitch if he uses it more. Yeah, I'm definitely bumping him up a ton. Where did I bump him up to now that we're talking about it? Yeah, I have him at 173, and Anderson was down to 198. So he's already 25 spots ahead, and I think that gap is going to keep growing. Do I see him top 100 by the end of the year? Probably not, but, you know, 125 to 140 range. I think he can get up into that range for sure. The name I want to talk about the most out of this group, obviously, we already know him. is a stud. He's... Arguably, you know, you can make a case that he's number one for dynasty. here. Now, I still have Burns slightly ahead, but I think it's almost like 1A, 1B at this point. And another, was it seven innings, one run, nine Ks today against, I guess, Pittsburgh, yes. But just another dominant start from McClanahan. But the name I really wanted to talk about was Tony Gonsolin. You know, I've always been a Tony Gonsolin guy. And he's always, you know, shown flashes here and there. but. Never could, like, put it all together, whether it was, you know, the walk rate spiked or he just wasn't getting a chance with the Dodgers, whatever it may be, and a couple of injuries here and there as well. So I always just couldn't put it together to show, like, what he really was capable of for a long period of time. But this year, it, it's all come together. 14 starts, 156 ERA, 0.81 whip. Both of those rank among the top in the National League. He's 9-0. and I know that doesn't matter, but 9 and oh is pretty cool to look at as well. But still, he's not getting nearly as much love as I think he should, because all the other big names, everyone's talking about Walker Bueller struggles in the injury. And obviously there's Clayton Kershaw and, and who you, Urias. It's like all these other bigger names. He's just kind of flying under the radar and just doing his thing. Like, you know, he's got a 5.8% barrel rate allowed. That's pretty solid. Hard hit rate is down to 28.1%, which is in the top 6% of baseball. Walker rates down to 8.1% after spiking to 14.2 last year. That's very encouraging. 8.1. You can definitely live with that. I will take that all damn day. K-rate, it's, you know, a little above league average, 24.7%. That's good. Not great. But then again, add that to the ratios. And I think that a lot of this is legit. You look, the four-seamer is, you know, it's, man, it's 250 batting average again. It's 513 slug. You know, not terrible. Not great either. But look at the three secondaries, a splitter, slider, and curveball. All have a batting average against under 150. Two of them have a slug under 175. The curveballs is at 268 or 286, excuse me. And I'll have a Woba under 185 and a whiff rate above 30%. He can miss bats with all three. He uses them to both sides. Yeah, a little bit more curveballs to lefties and sliders to righties, but he can miss bats with all three. He's made a lot of tangible improvements this year. Ground ball rates up, which has always been an issue, having a lower ground ball rate, fly ball rates down. And that's another positive there. He's missing, you know, solid enough whiff rate and chase rate. I'm I'm really on board. I think he's still underrated and a great value buy right now, even with how good he's been doing. So I think he's still just flying under the radar because he's not that big name out there in L.A. So I am definitely all, all in on this Tony Gonsolin
2: resurgence here in
0: 2022.
2: Yeah, and he pitched another good game tonight. I mean, he did allow one earned over five and two thirds, I think it was. Five and two thirds, one earned yeah. five Ks. And, you know, the CSW was a little underwhelming. But overall, I mean, you still get the job done. And you have those games where you don't have it and you have to grind. And he did that, exactly, and just grinded and got the job done. Nine swings and misses. And it doesn't pair to Spencer Strider's 16 swing and misses. But still, um, Gonsolin's been highly impressive. He, man, will he get his first loss tonight? It's, if the Braves hold on, it would be his first loss, which would be pretty wild. What, what's uh, the score right now? It's 1-0 in the bottom seven, so it's possible. Okay. You know, anything's possible, but yeah, especially with the Braves bullpen, with the waist pin, I'm not ready to uh, count this a win, a one run um, game with the Dodgers. But
1: man, I wish I, would, I, I, I was kind of spacing. Because I've been moving all day, and I've
2: been super busy. I should have realized that Strider versus Gonzalez. That's a pretty
1: damn good matchup. Yeah.
2: Yep. So it's. Uh, I, I agree. I got. I think Gonzalez has been is stays underrated and I think he's a good pitcher to go out and acquire. Where did you put him in, in your rankings? Where did I put Togo here? I'm trying to get that name to sticks here. <laughs> Togo,
1: I put 156 and I want I should have put him up higher and I'm going to put him up higher. I, I could see him you know, assuming nothing, you know, bad happens the next month or so, I could see him being Scrolling up here, you know, one, 120, 110 in that range. I, guys in that range, I got like Luis Garcia's in that range, Robbie Ray, Hunter Green, Espino. I, I think he could definitely get in that range. I think that's definitely warranted. I think I don't think I went high enough on him. I fully admit that.
2: Yeah, I've got him at one fifty one. That's oh, uh, we're pretty damn close. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of struggling with with where to put him, but I think he, I think he definitely argue he could be higher. So. Yeah, same here. All right, real quick before we get
1: out of here, just because he had that great performance yesterday, Christian Javier, you know, obviously has been pretty damn good he's moving into the rotation. Overall, this year he's made 10 starts, four relief appearances, total of 62 and two-thirds innings, 273 ERA, 1.05 whip, 9.4% walk rate and a 31.8% strikeout rate. He's got the good little four-pitch mix there, four seamers, which is a a very good four-seam fastball, slider, The curveball does get hit a good amount. Curveball and changeup are not great. That's the red flag, but he only uses them a combined 11% of the time. Four-seam and slider rank, it's 89% of the time there. Both of those are very good offerings. So a lot of intrigue there, a lot of bat-missing ability, but how does the arsenal, like how do those – the third and fourth offerings, curve and changeup, which he, he literally never uses against righties. Uh, only eight times for on the curveball against righties, zero on the changeup. So where are you at on Javier, Chris? Because like I said, there's a lot of good in the profile, but some red flags. Does he stick as a starter? So a lot a lot to kind of digest there. So where are you at on Javier?
2: I'm very similar ranked to Gonsal. I have him at 153. I certainly hope he gets a chance to continue to be a starter. He's, he's excelled. As a yeah. starter. And yeah, while there's some warning flags, he just continues to produce and uh, can't really argue with what he's done and the results. And you mentioned the pitch mix. Like, he's like Strider, or just, I mean, pretty much a, a four seam slider guy. I and mean, you mix in a yeah. curve and a change that are 10% total. But I mean, he still makes it work. Like he's a spin master on that curveball, ridiculous amount of spin that he gets. But the results are there, and he doesn't need the other two pitches to to get the job done. So, if it were if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, yep. I'm kind of curious. Like one of his pitchers that pops up on similar based on Velo and movement was Freddie Peralta from last year. That's good. So, I, I like that comp in comparison to an extent. And yeah, there may be some regression, but I still think Javier can be a really solid starter. So, another yep. one like Ansel, who I think you can go out and get pretty cheap.
1: Yeah, it, it's some of those are kind of funny too. Another one is twenty twenty Justin Dunn, which is just doesn't inspire much mm. confidence there. <laughs> but, I, but you know, twenty twenty one Freddy Peralta absolutely does. I've always kind of kind of found that funny where sometimes it's sometimes it's a lot of similar guys, but then it's like, how does like Freddy Peralta from last year and Justin Dunn get in the same you know grouping? It's right. kind of odd. But yeah, I definitely like Javier too. I actually have him a little bit ahead of uh, Gonson just because of the the higher strikeout ability. I have Javier 146 to 156 for, Gon- for Gonzalo And so I think they both can move up. I just hope they don't bump him back to the pen when, you know, Jake Wood or Rizzi's ready or something like that. That's always kind of in the back of my mind. Hopefully not. He, I think he's pitched well enough to stick. Maybe they move Oda Rizzi to the pen. Who knows? But all right, that's going to wrap us up, though. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter, excuse me. Chris is at RotoClegg I'm at EricCross04, and our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. And check out all of our written work at Fantasy Pros, Fantrax HQ, or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more Dynasty Prospect and a Fantasy Baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care.